We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, the show rolls on, my friend. How are you? The show rolls on. There were some people concerned about you on the old Twitter sphere, Carson, but here you are, live and in the flesh. I'm here. Um, I'm sure people by now have, have heard the news that uh, I've left Channel 5 after 10 years. 13 years total in, in television and have accepted a, a new role outside of TV. So I'm, I'm kind of going through a, a bit of a life change, but it's one I'm, I'm really excited for. And I uh, got to live a dream for, for 13 years. So it was, uh, it was incredible. It's just, it's just time. And um, I'm so appreciative of everyone at, at Channel 5 and the platform they gave me to, to cover, you know, my home school, uh, Oklahoma State, as well as Oklahoma and uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. It, it was just a complete joy ride, but uh, I'm ready for my next challenge. Um, I'll pro- probably be announcing that here in the, in the coming days. I, my first day was today, so I had no days off. I'm, I, unlike Texas, Colby, I'm all gas, no brakes. So oh, I'm, I'm just full speed ahead. And uh, I'm just, I'm so appreciative of everyone that's reached out. Um, yeah, man, I know that's, I know this is a, uh, a whirlwind and very overwhelming. Congratulations to you on a great TV career and uh, a lot of deserved kind words coming your way. I know some, from com- some conversations you and I have that this is not a decision that you took lightly, uh, that this is something that you were, were very serious about. It was just time in your life. So congratulations on a great TV career. And um, I'm sure you'll, you'll knock it out of the park with what you've got coming up next. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, and again, I, I didn't get emotional at all until I got home and just looked at all the responses from people that that reached out. So it, it meant a lot to me. So, And people get to know you through that TV. People get to know you, and they uh, – I mean, you become part of people's lives, and it's, it's a special thing. It really is. Yeah, so um, I haven't really – today was my first day, so I really haven't had a chance to um, really kind of – talk it over with my new employer about the podcast. So I'm just going to do it tonight. And <laughs> I assume I can continue to do it since I do it at kind of my own time. And, and there'll be some, some cross promotion there, I'm sure with my new role as well here on the pod. So I'm sure they'll like that too. So, but as of tonight, the show rolls on and I, I can't imagine Colby a better way to come back to the show than Oklahoma state getting a huge win on the road at Texas. We're going to get into that, but first let's hear from Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate them sponsoring the podcast as always. And, um, again, just so appreciative of them over all the years uh, of sponsoring the pod. You know, they first started when, when Kyle Porter and I were doing this show, and, and Kyle reached out today, and it was great to hear his voice. And I think we're going to try and get him on the show here soon in the, in the coming days, if not weeks, and get his perspectives now that he's more in the golf world and get his takes on OSU football because uh, they got a great season going, Colby. I mean, where do you want to start with this Texas game? I don't even know where to begin. So I watched it today. It is fresh in my mind. I was, you know, big golf tournament this weekend. So I was out on Saturday and I was kind of trying to follow along on my phone. I wasn't doing the whole like avoid everything and try to watch it live as if you haven't seen it. I knew I wouldn't be able to do that because I knew I probably wouldn't have time to watch it until today. But it's funny that you, you said something about the all gas, no breaks. It's like this is two weeks in a row that Texas has flat run out of gas in the fourth quarter. And one of the things that I thought was so telling, we talked about it all last week, Carson. Oklahoma State is coming off a bye. Texas is coming off back 
back-to-back battles with huge rivals in TCU and Oklahoma, emotional games, a lot was taken out of them. And what happened in the fourth quarter with one team coming off a bye and one team that had been grinding for the last couple of weeks? The team coming off a bye had a lot of gas left in the tank. There was a lot left in Oklahoma State's legs on defense and on offense. They gashed Texas in that fourth quarter. Texas was done in that fourth quarter. They were flat. They were slow. They were exhausted. They were playing two high safeties whenever Oklahoma State just needed to get a first down to win the game. It was everything you could have hoped and more in the fourth quarter. It really was. And, you know, Mike Gundy shouted out, Rob Glass. And it's, you know, we don't, we don't talk about strength coaches at all when we talk about football wins and losses and breaking down football programs and, and how they're able to be successful. But I really do think Rob Glass has been truly an unsung hero in the Mike Gundy era. You know, he's been with Mike since his first season. And you're right. I thought OSU really wore them down, particularly in the fourth quarter. You just look at all the yardage differences, you know, we we can obviously talk about the defense holding Texas to one yard in the fourth quarter. And certainly Texas coming off that OU game was a factor. It was hot in Dallas. OSU was fresh. All those things matter. But I just think Rob Glass matters, man. I think he's the best strength coach in the country with what he's been able to do at Oklahoma State. You just look at guys like Chuba Hubbard, their freshman year, and then what they look like their sophomore, junior year. And it's just – it's night and day. And I just – I want to start there, I guess. Just give him credit because I thought they really – with a more physical team down the stretch and the more well-conditioned team. And, th- and that matters. It's not sexy to break down strength coaches because we don't really have any idea what they do on a day-to-day basis other than run the guys to death and make them lift <laughs> weights. But I thought he was a, a big part in that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more to it behind the scenes that we don't see that goes on, but that absolutely plays a key role. And, uh, you know, some of these guys have just gotten so much more physical. I mean, Malcolm Rodriguez hits you. You just don't want to get hit again. Brock Martin hits you. You don't want to get hit again. Even the corners coming up and making a couple of key stops. I mean, you know, everybody's going to remember, uh, you know, with what was like four minutes left when Oklahoma State got the big fourth down stop and swarmed Casey Thompson. How about two plays prior? Second and 10, Texas throws a a slant that – against a lot of teams, might go for a first down. He catches that ball, gets drilled, zero yards, zero feet, zero inches after catch, after contact. None of that taking place on Oklahoma State's defense. Next play, Casey Thompson tries to run a keeper. It is blown up by like four different guys before they can even fake the exchange to B. John Robinson. It was a clinic from Oklahoma State of physicality. And then obviously on fourth down when they swarmed up and got Casey Thompson. But they were, I mean, when we talk physicality, that fourth quarter is the tape that you throw up because Texas absolutely looked like they just wanted no part of it. They looked like they were tired of getting hit and they wanted to go home. Yellow. Carson? Okay, I was muted. Sorry. We're, <laughs> I must have hit the mute button on accident. There, there comes asthma. Okay, I just last thing I said was Texas looked like they were just tired of getting hit. Okay, I, I hit mute on accident that time, not on purpose. Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been dealing with some asthma. When the weather changes to cold, I start coughing. So if I am muted at any point, it might be that reason. But that time was an accident. <laughs> but 
the, the hit that stands out for me is the hit that Malcolm Rodriguez had on Bijan Robinson. I mean, we yeah. never see Bijan get hit like that and certainly go down that easily. And Malcolm Rodriguez to me is a, a perfect example of the body by glass. Look at him now in pads versus him as a freshman and sophomore when he was a safety coming in. It's just, it's night and day. And their tackling is really just a hallmark of this defense. And let's just start with the defense, Colby. I mean, we can go back to the start of the game and how, how shaky it looked for the entire team at the start of the game. But let's just start with, with Jim Knowles and his defense, Colby, because, again, they were playing from behind most of the night, most of the day, rather. And then they hold Texas to one yard in the fourth quarter. They hold them to 12 yards on their final six possessions. That is as good as defense can possibly be played. And, again, I was a little skeptical coming in. They'd only they'd only played Baylor's offense, who's who while Baylor looks like a much better team than we were giving them credit for coming out of the OSU game. They're really on a roll. I didn't think their offense nor Kansas State's presented anything like what we were going to see against Texas. And it certainly looked that way through the first quarter. But there's no more question marks for me. They completely shut down as well as you can any offense to I think what's a pretty good offense. Go back to Texas playing Oklahoma, Colby. Receivers running wide open. I mean, the, the, the Xavier Worthy kid had 261 yards receiving against Oklahoma. And the receivers, other than one big play early in the game, virtually did nothing. And I just, I'm blown away at this defense. It's better than even I think you and I thought it was through the first five games of the season. Yeah, I think so too. It's just, especially losing Trace Ford for the season losing Trey Sterling for the season. You could argue that Oklahoma State is doing this without its best pass rusher and its best member of the secondary. Now, that's not to say that these other guys haven't been incredible. Colin Oliver, unbelievable. Brock Martin, Evers, all those guys. I'm, I'm missing guys. I know I'm missing guys. And then on the back end, Tanner McAllister, Jason Taylor. These are the guys who are coming up making the big plays. Is that, you know, preseason, it was all about Trey Sterling, Colby Harvell Peel, Jart Bernard Converse, uh, Christian Holmes, all these guys. We weren't talking about Tanner McAllister and Jason Taylor. These are the guys who were the heroes on Saturday. The absolute, unequivocal, in my mind, biggest play of the game was the Jason Taylor pick six. That is such a ridiculous swing in a game. The way Oklahoma State's offense was sputtering that first half, the chances of this, them coming back from down 20 to three or down 24 to three, those chances just aren't very good. Oklahoma State needed a spark at that moment, and they got it in a huge, huge way from Jason Taylor. He's just, and I've, I've listened to Dave Hunziker's call of that play about 18 times um, since, <laughs> since the game took place on Saturday because it's so good. The human playmaker, Jason Taylor. It's what he does. He makes big plays. You need a big play at a key moment in a game, Call on Jason Taylor, and he will answer every single time. Can we put him on offense? All the guy does is score touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, so, who had more? Okay, so he had the same number of receiving touchdowns in that game that Oklahoma State's offense did, if I did the math right. He had one receiving touchdown. Brennan Presley had one receiving touchdown. So, one for Jason Taylor, one for Brennan Presley. I like the idea. Throw him on offense. Yeah, he now has three career touchdowns. And just think about – the moments in which he scored all three. The onside kick and that crazy Texas Tech trying to make a comeback. He, he takes the onside kick to the house. I forgot about that one. That was one. I don't know if they're in sequential order here, but the, the strip fumble recovery against Kansas State that he takes to the house. I mean, Kansas State's driving at that point. Their offense was dead in the water. And he basically won the game right then and there. And then you think about the interception against Texas that you mentioned. I mean, 
if they go down twenty to four to three, Colby, like just the way that the way OSU's offense has played this year, that that's a wrap. I mean, the defense can only do so much at that point. They're so disciplined. They they really don't make big mistakes. And I saw a picture earlier on Twitter. And I'm looking for it, but I noticed it as I was watching the game. There was a play in the. Th- third quarter I believe Texas was down inside their own 10 it was third and nine Carson Texas is inside their own 10 yard line in the third quarter of a game it is third down and nine Oklahoma State has all 11 defenders within three yards of the line of scrimmage Bijan Robinson is on the field Xavier Worthy is on the field guys who can absolutely burn you deep Oklahoma State has 11 guys within three yards of the line of scrimmage it is a blast to watch Jim Knowles call a defensive game of football it's like, I mean, get your popcorn ready when those guys are on the field because there is just very little that, that you're doing against Oklahoma State. 11 guys within three yards of the line of scrimmage when Texas is inside their own 10. I mean, Jim Knowles is not going to sit back with two high safeties all game long and just let you pick him apart. He's not going to do it, and I absolutely love it. It is so much fun to watch. Yeah, and how many years have we watched OSU football on third and long? rush three, drop eight, quarterback sits back there forever and completes a pass for a first down. It feels like we watched that for for 20 years, and that's just not how Jim Knowles does it. He, is going, he, he knows he's blitzing on third down. You know he's blitzing on third down. And if your quarterback's good enough to make the read and throw, a, throw a, a, a perfect pass with a guy in his face on the money with very little time to make the read, well, we'll, we'll tip our cap to you and good luck to you. And they're, they're simply not able to do it. And – what makes Jim Knowles great, too, I thought this was an interesting quote from Mike Gundy on the pick six from, from Jason Taylor. He said Jim Knowles had a perfect call. He said he knew, he knew the type of route they wanted to run. They, he told Jason Taylor about it. And it, it, he's getting it, – I think Jim Knowles said that he now has his full defense installed. This is a quote from him. I'm kind of paraphrasing it to where not only can he call a, a coverage – for a particular route he thinks is coming, he has coached his guys to disguise it well enough to where they can go make a play on the ball. Like he has a designed coverage plan essentially to bait the quarterback. And Taylor said that's exactly what he did. He said, I knew what they were running. He goes, I, I kind of baited the quarterback into it, kind of faded a step back as if I wasn't going to jump the route. And as soon as he reared back to throw it, I, boom, I'm there. And that's a that's a, that's a feel thing as a defensive coordinator, not only to just to read what type of route they're going to run, but to also put in that level of deception in your defense. That's why they're so good at getting off the field, particularly on third downs. OSU has held now, Colby, 17 consecutive opponents to less than 50% on third downs. They've also held 15 of its past 17 Big 12 opponents below their scoring average. I mean, Jim Knowles is going to be on the short list for the Broyles Award given to the nation's top assistant coach, and rightfully so. Yeah, he absolutely will. That stat about 17 straight opponents under 50% on third down is mind-boggling. That is uh, – I mean, that is statistically improbable that you would be able to do that. It's just – I would love to know, too, on the Tanner McAllister interception if that was anticipation of that route because it very much looked like when Casey Thompson took the snap, it looked to me like Tanner McAllister almost took like a half false step forward to make Casey Thompson think he was going to go down to the flat. And as soon as he did that and Casey Thompson reared back to throw, what did he do? Turned around, ran the other way, fell right underneath that route. I mean, it was a, it was a thing of beauty. The, the entire game defensively was good. Now, the first half, Texas was moving the ball 
ball a little bit early, but the pick six changed everything. Texas only scored one touchdown the rest of the game after the pick six, and it was just – I mean, it was pretty much a, a defensive show from Jim Knowles and the Cowboys, and I can't even – I really can't even count the number of hard hits. Open field tackling. I mean, this team is so good at making open field one-on-one tackles. Texas is trying to throw these screen passes out to Xavier Worthy and some of these other guys, some of the ones that were going for big, big chunk yardages against Oklahoma last week. It's not there. You're getting two yards against Oklahoma State. Maybe three. Maybe three if you fall forward. It's just they have been so, so good at keeping teams from getting yards after contact, yards after catch, all the stuff that you hate to see from your defense. I mean, Jim Knowles has eliminated all of it. Um, it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It really is. It's, it's like watching an artist go to work. Yeah, here's the quote from Taylor. He said, Coach Knowles always puts us in a position to make plays. I kind of saw him eyeing it, my zone, on the snap. I waited, baited him to throw it, and I jumped it. That's just – that's beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. That's a coach coaching up his player and his player executing it to perfection. And that's, again, a guy who knew he was going to play this year but was behind an all-Big 12 caliber safety. And that's that's big time from Jason Taylor, man. He That was an awesome play and, and really – went a long way to win in the game. So, again, can't say enough good things about the defense. Do you want to talk about the offense, Colby? Uh, I do want to talk about the offense. I, it wasn't great. I don't think I'm quite as down on it as everybody else was. The run game, the run game is so good. The, the pass game was very average Saturday. There were, there were times, the first touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, uh, there were a couple of really nice throws, the third and two to Tay Martin uh, after, you know, Spencer Sanders fumbles the snap on first down. He wasn't looking for the snap. Picks up 15 with his legs on second down. Nice throw to Tay Martin on third and two to pick it up. Makes the nice throw to Brennan Presley. So, pass game was average, but the run game, three of the last four games, Carson, they've run for 200-plus yards. And if you would have told me that after the first two weeks of the season, I think – I mean, honestly, if you would have told me they'd, they'd have a stretch this season – where they ran for 200 yards in three or four games, I think I would have taken off my headset, turned off my soundboard, and just left. I think I just would have left and gone to do something else because it, there would have just been no point in having that conversation, and yet here we are with a team that is legitimately very good at running the football. And it, to me, it all starts and ends with Jalen Warren. I mean, he's the best running back since who? I mean, Chuba's prime year certainly up there. I mean, yeah, Chuba. I think he's rushing. I think he's better than a lot of backs pre-Chuba. I really do. I mean, I mean, he's having an All-American type season. I mean, he outrushed Bijan Robinson. I mean, yeah, he, I, he, I he had 118 he, yards in the fourth quarter alone. I mean, yeah, the guy. I think the impact is comparable to Chuba's nation-leading rushing season. I do too. And and what's so great about him is you know Casey Dunn said they they started running more kind of outside zone to where it lets him make more reads and cuts because that's where he is just exceptional. Besides just his physical gifts, he's a little bowling ball. Uh, <laughs> Casey Dunn called him a marble. Once he starts rolling, he just keeps going. <laughs> and uh, that's so true. But I think what makes him special is his vision and his, his ability to make three or four extra yards virtually every time he touches the ball. It's just – it's he's just one of the – to me, it just reminds me so much of Kendall Hunter in that way where he's a little bowling ball – you look up and you thought he was going to gain about three or four and he gained six or seven, just almost every carry. It's just unbelievable. And he has single, like almost single-handedly improved the offensive line, improved the offense, and certainly improved the running game. And 
it's pretty remarkable, Colby. I mean, this is a guy who was in junior college, Snow Junior College, same junior college as Josh Heupel, went to Utah State, bet on himself to go to a Power Five in Oklahoma State where, let's face it, they had a, a pretty stacked running back room where we were talking about four running backs getting 10 carries each. That's the situation he walked into. And he bet on himself, and it's just paying off, man. He is, he is so good and so sensational. And there's, there's very little hyperbole, hyperbole left for him because the way he ran it in the fourth quarter simply won the game. I mean, you go to that, that, that key third down late, he just, boom, first down. And I think he's making a case as first team all Big 12. I mean, I, I honestly think he should start getting some Heisman love. We're going to start talking about B. John Robinson every week. I mean, I think Jalen Warren deserves a little bit of a, a nudge as well. Yeah, I think Bijan Robinson was sitting over on the sideline in the fourth quarter thinking, yeah, that dude's got a lot left in the tank. He looks good. I mean, he did. He looked, gr- he looked great uh, down the stretch of that game. And it, it's really – it's tough to wrap your mind around the Oklahoma State running game in, in terms of the entire season. You start the season against Missouri State, but you got Illingworth at quarterback, so it, it's a very different dynamic. Missouri State – I mean, they had eight in the box on nearly every play, and they didn't have to respect the QB run because, I, I mean, that's just not Illingworth's game. So – I mean, they just keyed in and teed off on Oklahoma State's running back. Looked like a disaster. And we're all sitting here thinking, well, if, if Missouri State did that, it's going to be a long year. Because if Oklahoma State can't move Missouri State off the ball, who can they move off the ball? And then you have the Tulsa game, and it's not great. And then you have the Boise game, and it's not great. And then all of a sudden, it's like something changed. A flip switched. Uh, they get Hunter Woodard back, which obviously, I mean, huge addition. That line's been a lot better uh, here in recent weeks. But – I mean, it's just – it really is hard to wrap my mind around how good the Oklahoma State run game has become because, you know, Jalen Warren's doing it in big moments late in the game. Uh, Spencer, like I said, I mean, they fall back to second, second and 17, and he puts his head down and falls forward for the few extra yards to make it a, a very manageable third and two. It, uh, it's just the Oklahoma State run game is – it's something to watch right now, and it's necessary because the passing game is very much still trying to find itself. It's just it, – it's rough – it's, it's – I don't even know what to make of it. Uh, I saw a stat earlier that going into the Texas game, I'd have to look up the advanced metrics now, but going into the Texas game, Oklahoma State ranked dead last in the FBS in early down efficiency, which that's measured by can you get 50% of the necessary yards on first down, 75% in the first two downs, 100% on downs three and four. So those early downs on first and second. Carson, we're talking in the power five, Oklahoma State is the absolute worst at picking up yardage on first and second down. And yet, they keep finding ways in the fourth quarter to do enough to win games. It's, it's frustrating, it's frustrating, it's frustrating, and then it's like, oh, big first down, huge drive, great score, and you win the game. It's just, it, it's really insane to watch. It has been very much cardiac Cowboys in 2021. If my math's correct, I think he has 128 carries in the last four games, does Jalen Warren. They're, ride, they're riding him like Seabiscuit. <laughs> And so hopefully that's sustainable, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure it is. And you need to get Dominic Richardson in there, but he, he simply won the game. You had to have him in there at that point. You can rest him when you play Kansas and, and Texas Techs of the world. But, and I did think, I do think I want to give the offense, you said you weren't as down on it as others. And I'm kind of with you because I just thought in the first half, like penalties were the reason they weren't moving the ball. I mean, they were in third and long due to penalties and, and stupid mistakes. Like, they had, a, they had a silly kind of after the play. I think it was Cassidy that was blocking after the play. Got a flag. They had a few that holding was. calls. Really, I thought penalties were the biggest reason they weren't moving the ball. I thought they probably could have had more success without all those those self-inflicted wounds, didn't you? 
Yeah, I mean, the reason I say I, I'm not as down as I think everybody else was, I shouldn't say everybody else. It's just the tweets I was getting while I was on the golf course on Saturday, I fully expected to watch that game and come out of it thinking, uh, has Spencer Sanders ever played football before? That, that was the vibe I was getting from Twitter. And then I watched the game, and I'm like, I mean, he didn't look like Tom Brady, but it wasn't horrible. I mean, he was the best quarterback. He, he outplayed Casey Thompson. He made the plays when he needed to in the fourth quarter. Very first offensive play of the game for Oklahoma State. Spencer throws a laser up the right sideline. Tay Martin had to fall forward to reach for it. But if we had Tay Martin on right now, he'd tell you he should have caught it. And then third and goal from the four, Spencer Sanders, absolute dime into the corner of the end zone. Hits Tay Martin right in the hands. He drops it. Tay Martin would tell you, should have made that catch. It's the penalties in the first half, couple of drops. There were another couple drops in the game. Uh, there were definitely a few throws that Spencer would like back. I mean, it was not a, a perfect game by any means. The interception was bad. He just, his guy was breaking to the outside. He threw it way behind him to the inside of the field, overthrew him, and it was picked. Uh, in the, here was the third or fourth quarter, tried to throw a fade to Rashad Owens on first and goal and just threw it like eight yards out of the end zone trying to throw the fade to Rashawn Owens when it looked like he had his man beat. By no means was it perfect from Spencer Sanders, but it wasn't like this overwhelmingly terrible performance. He made the plays in the fourth quarter when they were down 24 to 16. He led a really nice touchdown drive that included a nice third down throw to Tay Martin uh, rolling to his right. He was able to find Brennan Presley in the middle of the zone in the D in, in the middle of the zone uh, defense in the end zone for a touchdown. He delivered a strike on that throw uh, and, he, and he made some valuable plays in the running game. So not perfect by any means, but some drops and some penalties, I think made it look worse than it was. Also, I'm very much – it's very much chicken in the egg for me with Spencer Sanders. It's like, is he struggling because of the play calling or is the play calling struggling because of him? Because it's so many third and longs early in that game. I mean, really for the first three quarters, it seemed like every third down was eight yards or longer. That's not really a position for success for your quarterback. Third and less than five, very manageable. You can have a lot of success in third and less than five. Third and nine, I mean, an offense that's built to run the ball and, and use the run to set up the pass, when they know you have to throw on third and nine, that offense just isn't going to have a lot of success. So I'm, I'm very curious to see whether they can have more success on first and second down against Iowa State and set the offense up to convert more of those third downs. No, I, I'm totally with you. I thought the third downs were, were, were critical because of the penalties and and again, to start the game, the, the, the two drops from Tay Martin. I mean, the, the first one, he's, he's diving. I understand that one. But Sanders threw a perfect fade route right into Tay's hands, and he dropped it, which he had a, he had a rough game. And Sanders' game would have looked much different if those two plays just, just come down early in the game. So I'm with you. His interception, again, it's just we can't go a game without Spencer throwing a, a mind-numbing interception. It looked weird. Like Joel Clapp pointed out on TV, he thought it slipped out of his hand because it was just wildly inaccurate. And so just kind of is who he is at this point. I think he has 32 turnovers in 25 career games. And they're, they're simply not going to be able to sustain this with their defense if, if their offense can't get going. And I'm, I'm a little more high on it, too, like you are with if they can just cut down the penalties early and, and particularly just pick up some yards on first down. Don't get behind the chains. I think they're going to be okay um, offensively. I really do. And because I thought, I thought Casey Martin called a pretty good – or Casey Martin, Casey Dunn <laughs> called a pretty good game. I mean, I, I loved the reverse to Brennan Presley that they set up with the option. That's just beautiful. And, you know, Casey said they didn't just – they weren't trying to set it up. He just said it was predicated on us trying to establish the option as well. But that's beautiful play calling. And the fact they got Brennan Presley more involved was sensational. He had a touchdown. 
the, the offense, I think, is starting to find its footing a little bit with Casey Dunn, and, and I think Mike Gundy certainly had his head in the room as well. So, Colby, 6-0, first time since 2015. They're now, they've now won 6-7 of seven in Austin. Mike Gundy owns Austin. He was dancing in the locker room. And I want to give Mike a lot of credit here because I was very critical after two games. I just did not see this coming. I thought they were just stuck in the mud offensively, and I didn't see that changing. I, I certainly didn't see the emergence of Jalen Warren coming nor the offensive line progressing the way they have. I think Gundy really – I think this is really one of his best coaching jobs, maybe his best. I think, I think 2015 still his best because he didn't have a defense quite like this. It was basically just Mason Rudolph being awesome was the reason they started 10-0. But I, I think you got to give Mike a lot of credit for, for what he's done this year. And I, I started thinking about it. You know, he, he doesn't get enough credit for being a true innovator. You know, Mike Gundy was the first coach to run no huddle in the Big 12. They know you did it and got all their accolades by scoring 60 points in six straight games. He was the first coach I can recall running the shell pump formation that every team in the country runs now. He was really the first coach in the Big 12 to play the style of football we're now seeing league-wide, where he, he, he put more scholarships on defense, slowed down his offense to help out his defense. He was tired of getting into 50 to 49 shootouts and watching his defense give up plays to lose games at the end of it. And now you see more teams, in the, not only in the Big 12, but around the country doing it. So not only is Mike having, I think, one of his best seasons ever, He's proved me wrong. He's been an awesome coach, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for being not only just a good football coach, but really a, a true innovator in a lot of ways. Yeah, here, here's the thing and where I'm at with Mike Gundy. There are times in a game where I disagree with, like, an individual call that Mike Gundy makes. I'm just I, – I, just the way I'm wired, I could never punt on fourth and two from my opponent's 41-yard line. I could never do it. I could never do it. I could never bring myself to do that. I would struggle to kick a field goal from the fourth. That would be hard for me to do. I just, that's the way I'm wired. I'm Brandon Staley for the Chargers is my spirit animal. He's going for it on fourth down every chance he gets. That's my spirit animal. So there are individual plays throughout a game where I'll disagree with the, the decision Mike Gundy makes to kick often. But whenever I look at everything as a whole, be real hard for me to make the argument that he does not have uh, the respect of his team, that they are not playing hard for him, that he is not pushing all the right buttons to make sure guys are where they need to be, that guys are doing what they need to do, that everybody is disciplined, not, not committing stupid penalties late in the game, not making mistakes in the fourth quarter. You know, there were some mistakes made in the first half of that game. Oklahoma State did not make a single mistake in the fourth quarter. Not a one. Not a one. I mean, it, it's hard to argue with the results that, uh, that they've thrown out there this year because this is a team that very much feels like a 3-3 three and three or 4-2 and two team, and they're 6-0. and oh. And, I mean, if you're not giving the head coach some credit for that, then you're just looking for a reason uh, to be a hater. So he's obviously done very good at making sure that his team is doing all of the little things right. Uh, and the Jim Knowles hire, he deserves all the credit in the world for the Jim Knowles hire. He goes out and gets a guy from Duke, and I'm thinking – What's this guy from Duke going to teach him? The pick and roll? I, what are we doing getting a guy from Duke? And, and the guy from Duke's incredible. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of credit to him because, again, even though every now and then I'll see a kicker run onto the field and I want to pull what, uh, what's fading of my hair out of my head, I, uh, I can't argue with the results at the end of the day. Nope, not at all. And, you know, Chris Viani, I think is how you say his name, from The Athletic put out his, his kind of power rankings or his, basically his top 25. And he made a really good point about Oklahoma State. When you just look at their resume, Colby, I know it hasn't been pretty offensively, but 
They've beaten Boise State on the road. That's a really good win. They've now beaten Texas on the road. That's a really good win. They've beaten Baylor, who now is ranked and seemingly is moving up the rankings uh, as we speak. That's a really good win at home. And you look at other teams in the top 10, he points out Michigan doesn't have a win against a Power 5 team with a winning record. Michigan State doesn't have any victories against winning teams. So as it stands now, and look, we got a big game against Iowa State coming up this weekend. There's a lot of football left, a lot of big names like Oklahoma on the schedule. But Colby, as it stands now, OSU's resume is playoff worthy. And look, I'm not saying they're going to the playoff. I'm not even saying they're winning the Big 12 yet. But as it stands today, at 6-0, and their resume is as good as anybody's. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, there are some teams that throughout the season will be exposed as frauds. We saw it with Iowa on Saturday. We all knew Iowa was a fraud. We were just waiting for it to happen. It happened on Saturday. I hope that, that Iowa for Oklahoma State. Yes, we knew. And, and I tweeted it Saturday, uh, Saturday night. I got off the golf course. I checked some of the scores. It was a long 36-hole day. I was exhausted. And then I checked some of the scores, and I saw the Iowa-Purdue score. And that was just a good laugh. That was just a good Saturday night laugh. Iowa just Iowa'd all over themselves on Saturday in losing by 17 points to Purdue. Um, but anyway, back to what you were saying about Oklahoma State, uh, 6-0, great resume. They've looked really good. They've beaten three consecutive ranked teams. Kansas State and Baylor were both ranked at the time of those games. Now they've got a good win over Texas. This is a good football team. And I think that sometimes, and this is human nature, right? We all love offense. We love offense. Offense is great. It's awesome. It's fun. But when teams, you know, when, when Baker's first year as the starter, OU's offense was unbelievable. Their defense was one of the worst units in the entire country. I mean, nobody really had questions there because they were elite on one side of the ball. Oklahoma State has had a lot of teams that were elite on one side of the ball. It just so happened to be the other side. It just so happened to be the offensive side. Oklahoma State's still elite on one side of the ball, and the fact is, that might be good enough. That's good enough to win a bunch of games. The offense can do enough. That's what, for, for 12 years, we asked Oklahoma State's defense to do just enough, get just enough stops so that the offense can go out and be special. And now it's, it's reversed. We're asking the offense to do just enough so that the defense can go out and do its thing. To win games, you don't always have to be elite on both sides of the ball, but you need to be elite on one. And Oklahoma State's elite on the defensive side of the football. The Big Ten stinks. They're horrible. Get out of here with Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State. Get out of here with that. Although, the irony is not lost on me to your point you just made, Colby. I'm watching Oklahoma State play Big Ten football. It feels kind of it feels kind of <laughs> dirty. It feels kind of wrong. Am I supposed to? How am I supposed to feel about this? The difference is, though, Oklahoma State played Big Ten football on Saturday against a team that had scored 48 the week prior, 70 three weeks prior. I know it was against Texas Tech, and Texas Tech's a middle-to-bottom team in the Big 12, but they're a Power 5 team that's not Kansas. Texas dropped 70 on them, and Oklahoma State held them to one yard in the fourth quarter. It's just, I mean, it's... The defense is nasty. It is seriously, seriously nasty and elite. I mean, there have been some Oklahoma State teams through the years, uh, you know, that 2015, 16, 17, some of those teams that were so elite on offense but just didn't have the defense to go with it. And this team is really elite on defense. It's, it, it's incredible. It's a, uh, a real plot twist in the uh, lore of Oklahoma State football. Yeah, and, it, it, and again, you know, Mike Gundy – has come back from 12 points or more 16 times in his 17 years. 
it drives you and me crazy when he punts in short yardage formations or short yardage situations like you mentioned. But now he has the defense. It, it's paying off this year. And really, Colby, over the span of his career, as frustrating as it is, it typically works out for him. And it certainly has worked out in Austin. Think yeah. about all those weird games where he's – I mean, in 2015, he was running the veer with J.W. Walsh on third down, happy to punt, and Texas just gives him the game. They give he, His mindset is just don't screw it up and the other team will. And more often than not, he is right. And you got to give him a little credit for that for sticking to his guns because it, it has worked out. They're six and zero, and it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. So yeah, he's like he's like a tennis player who just hits everything back in the middle of the court and waits for you to make an unforced error. That's that's what Mike Gundy is doing. And by the way, the video of him dancing in the locker room, I good for him, good for him for being that flexible because I dislocated my kneecap watching that video. It was that looked so painful to me. I think it was Trey Flowers who tweeted that his MCL loses every time he does that dance. It takes an L. His MCL takes an L. Because I thought that was his best one yet, didn't you? I mean, he got, he got low. He was doing the wave for prolonged. That was his longest dance, I think. And it, it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, he was, he was way low. It was, I, I don't know if maybe some of the others had some better rhythm. He did kind of the, the awkward slide at the beginning. But then once he started to sway, then the whole team started to sway. So then they kind of had the rhythm going. And he kind of got into the rhythm and he got lower. And I'm like, God, I, I can't move that well at 29. I can't imagine uh, when I'm a man and I'm, what is he now? He was, I'm a man, I'm 40 in 2007. So he's like 54 now. Good for him. Big time, big time, big time, big time. I, I love seeing it. And he doesn't get – I said he was an innovator earlier, Colby. He innovated the locker room dance. Yeah. Ted Lasso's dancing in the locker room thanks to Mike Gundy. I mean, he, he started it all. Basically, innovator. Mike, Gundy, Mike Gundy is the reason Ted Lasso exists. They should ship him one of the Emmys. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's get to uh, Bullets and BBs. Uh, this is where we give out our positives and negatives of the, of the weekend. And what do you got for your, uh, your bullet? Uh, my bullet is going – to Jason Taylor. I mean, I mean, when you read his quote about, you know, how they were coached up for that and he baited Casey Thompson into it and then he jumped it. But not only that, I mean, that ball's coming in hot on a slant route. He's coming at it. He makes the catch cleanly, never breaks stride, takes it 85 yards to the house in what I think was the biggest play of the game. It was, it was poetry in motion, Carson. It was the cleanest pick six you will ever see. You know, sometimes you'll see a team try to throw a screen route in a corner, jumps it, and he goes untouched or something like that. But it was – it really was poetry in motion. He baited him into it. He jumped it, took it to the house. That play flipped the game on its head. So my bullet goes to Jason Taylor. That's a great one. Uh, my bullet goes hand in hand. I'm giving it to Jim Knowles. Again, this guy's for me, he should be the front runner for the Broyles Award, given the nation's top assistant coach. And we've seen past offensive coordinators at OSU get that type of love. And I think he certainly, uh, certainly fills that role and, and, and deserves that recognition and accolades. And I love seeing his, his victory cigar. So instead of a bullet, I'm giving out a victory stogie to Jim Knowles. He always lights one of those up after the game. I saw he took a picture with a young fan and had his stogie in hand and, and well-deserved because, again, we all had questions coming from Duke. It took him a couple years to get his defense installed. And this is not just a one-year deal. This, is, this goes back to last year. Those games, those stat I read was, you know, the last 17, 18 games. They have been just lights out. And it is, it is time to start talking about them as one of the best defenses in the country, not just the Big 12. So I definitely got to give it to, uh, to Jim Knowles. What about your, uh, your BB? Yeah, BB is uh, it's tough, man, because I watched that, that fourth quarter 
That fourth quarter looked real good. Look, this guy's going to get some bullets. He's probably already gotten some, and he'll get some more throughout the season. But I, I didn't feel like there was any really standout negative performance from a coach, from a player, anything. You can go, like na- you can go nationwide. You don't have to See, choose anybody at OSU. Well, I mean, I – if I had to give one to somebody on OSU, I mean, Tay Martin had the, the couple of big drops. Uh, I mean, the, the dropped fade pass directly took four points off the board. So, if I was going OSU, I'd probably give it to Tay Martin. I mean, nationally, it has to go to Iowa. They just – they went full Iowa on themselves. It was a Kirk Ferentz special, and uh, I got a good kick out of it because I was tired of listening to people talk about them like they were one of the best teams in the country, and I no longer have to do that. So, uh, Tay Martin, kind of like an honorable mention, BB, for the Oklahoma State side. Uh, but Iowa nationally gets a big BB for being frauds. I'm going to give it to Texas fans. The the yeah. surrender the surrender Cobra was strong in the student section. They showed that shot of the Texas fans, and the, there was a Texas fan last week when they lost to OU, like sobbing uncontrollably. And um, so I, I feel I don't feel bad for Texas fans. I would never say that, but man, they've been through the ringer the last two weeks. And I, I actually my BB is going to go to all the people that voted Texas like second in the Big Twelve rank them in the top 25 to start the year just like they always do and you know you and i were picking texas what fourth or fifth in the league and so uh we were we were right on that and they're four and three just like they they usually are so i gotta give it to texas as a program by the way i totally i missed the layup the bb for me has to go to the texas defensive coordinator Oklahoma State gets the ball back after the fourth down stop. And what is the only possible scenario for what Oklahoma State is going to do as they try to ice this game? They're going to turn around. They're going to hand it off to Jalen Warren. He's going to run. They're going to try to get a first down. The defensive coordinator runs out a two-high safety look. He's got two safeties lined up 18 yards off the ball when everyone in the United States of America knows that Oklahoma State is fixing to turn around and hand it off to Jalen Warren. Joel Klatt was perplexed on the broadcast. He's sitting up in the booth like, guys, they're playing two high safeties. Guys, can you believe they're playing two high safeties? What were they doing playing two high safeties? Oklahoma State on a third and nine inside Texas' own 10-yard line has 11 guys within three yards of the line of scrimmage. And at the end of the game, when Oklahoma State's trying to ice it with runs, they play two high safeties because they're cowards. So the Texas uh, defensive coordinator gets a huge BB because he was brutal in that second half against OU, and he was so bad late in that game against OSU. That was unbelievable. What the hell was he doing? Wait, what what was know. he doing? I don't know. I I don't even know who Texas – who is Texas defensive coordinator? Oh, he's got – it's like Kwiatkowski or whatever. He came from Washington. He's oh, actually a very well-respected uh, defensive coordinator, but he's had two rough weeks back-to-back. Uh, he's not well-respected in the room I'm sitting in right now. I, I mean, I've watched him a couple weeks in a row wondering, you know, what, uh, what's occupying the space in between his ears where the brain normally sits. I'm with you. That's a great one. Uh, let's get to the Chris University Spirit Uniform Review, uh, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Colby, I nailed it. I absolutely nailed it. Perfect. Perfecto. You hit it on the head. Black, white, black. That was a combination they've worn in Austin in the past and had a lot of success with. Uh, I went white, white, black. And uh, swing and a miss, two out of three. So, uh, yeah, that was the uniform review. You, you ready for my uni Heisman? Can I? There was somebody who stood out to me on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. So, I don't know what the difference was. Maybe it's all of the mechanics he's got on his left arm. Brock Martin looked ridiculously intimidating on Saturday. I mean, he looked bigger for some reason than usual. He, I mean, he just looked like a menace. I, I was... Very impressed 
Brock Martin, Uni Heisman on Saturday. He deserves it just playing through that injury with the oh. bionic arm and everything. But, yeah, he looked you're, good. You hear Gundy say he's going to uh, donate his body to science after the season? <laughs> I didn't hear that. No, that's a great quote. He said he's going to come back next year and then donate his body to science. And I'm like, that is a great, great quote. That's a great that's a great Gundyism. I got to go with Tay Martin. You know, Joel Klatt was raving about his socks. He was wearing kind of the, the – you know, they wore those socks in homecoming like – I want to say like four or five years ago, back when Rudolph was there. And – not everyone wears them. I, I guess it's just up to each player which socks they want to wear, but they got like the old school kind of retro stripes on them. They look great. Like Joel Klatt was like giddy at uh, Tay Martin's socks on his first catch of the game. So I, I got to go with Tay Martin. He, he's a perennial candidate, and uh, he had a rough game. So I'll give him the uni Heisman. Yeah, he, he looks the part pretty much week in and week out. I, I thought maybe you were going that direction. I mean, Brock Martin stood out to me anyway, but uh, I thought you were going that direction. I'm sure at some point this year I'll, I'll be throwing it Tay Martin's way because he really does look the part. And I tell you what, he's got NFL size. He's got NFL speed. I know Saturday wasn't his best game, but he's had a good season. And I, I think, you know, look, a lot of guys are really good in college, and it's just it's hard to do it at the next level. It, it just really is. But I think he's got the talent that in the right situation, maybe it could work for him. So I hope someday we're watching him play on Sundays. Yep, me too. Uh, before we get out of here, Iowa State, seven-point favorites over Oklahoma State. Does that surprise you? It does surprise me, and it, it doesn't make me feel good because I have a very strict golden rule when it comes to sports betting, and this is something I live by. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And Vegas is just begging you, begging you to take out a second mortgage on your house and put it on Oklahoma State plus seven. The last six games between Oklahoma State and Iowa State have been decided by less than a touchdown. Almost every game Oklahoma State has played this year has been mega close. It has been, and Iowa State's four and two. They're unranked. Oklahoma State's six and oh, a top 10 team in the country coming off a win against Texas. And Iowa State's favored by seven. It just, it, it's, I squirm a little bit when I see that line. I don't like it one bit, Carson. No, I hate it. I think that's a horrible sign. And, look, Iowa State's playing better. They, they really handled Kansas State. And this is kind of what they do, right? They come out of the gate slow, and then by, you know, late October, early November, they're playing like one of the best teams in the league. And, and they're not out of the Big 12 title race. So it's going to be a tough game. You mentioned it. Every game's close that they play. And – you know, Brian Keating made this point on Crashing the Boards last night. I think it's so true and, and so uh, prophetic is that when Mike Gundy has like an even talent discrepancy, you know, he, he loses to Oklahoma because his players aren't as good. And Texas or he, be, he beats Texas even though his players recruiting wise, according to the rankings, aren't as good. He's just a better, better coach. But when he plays teams like Iowa State and Kansas State, he wins because there's no, there's, there's no talent discrepancy. And if there is, it's in his favor. And so while I, I think the point spread is a concern, I don't know, man. That's a lot of points to, to, to lay against Oklahoma State's defense. So we'll, we'll definitely break it down later in the week. But those are kind of my first thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a great game. Oklahoma State and Iowa State always play great games. It's really, you know, Brock Purdy and Spencer Sanders, they both have a little bit of that same kind of factor to them that, you know, they could do something special and make you go, wow. And then they could do something that makes you go, what? And they're both, they've both got a little bit of that in them. So uh, might be a battle to see which quarterback makes fewer mistakes Saturday. Got to avoid Brocktober because it can go oh. two ways with Brocktober. He could God, it was Brocktober. Well, remember the last time they played, Malcolm Rodriguez had that pick six yeah. uh, on Brock. So hopefully we'll see that again.
Yeah, absolutely. Colby, enjoyed it. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you later in the week. Yep. Congrats on uh, on your big life news. Enjoy being a, a regular person with a regular job. And as always, go Pokes.